We begin with the letter A. A is for... M is for murder. E is for... Danger! And, uh... Dodge. With... Monster. Help! Love me and be... Please help! Yeah. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Ispro Podcast. My name is Sarge, and joining me today is my best friend, my pal, my amigo. Someone I would trust my life with up into a small degree. Like, maybe he'd walk through a human room for me. I'm not quite sure. But anyways, his name is Danger. You know, I I think the the term, or the, the phrase, you know, I take a bullet for that guy. I think it needs to be reworked into, like, I wouldn't take a bullet for him in the chest or anywhere that would cause actual long-term damage i may die from or bleed out like i'll take a bullet in the arm i maybe take we'll take like a cut to the leg but uh you know feel the same way bud <laughs> feel the same way that is great that's why i said you know i honestly would probably walk through a humid room for you at this point only because you're so far away and let's just face it it's been triple digits where we live and i ain't about that life right now so tonight we are going to be talking about the letter I. And for the letter I, I pick Inigo Montoya and Friends. Now, I'm not going to I'm not going to do a full tilt Princess Bride episode because that would not do that movie justice as a whole, but I am going to pick some of the characters from this directly related to the backstory that was given to this particular character. Now, are you familiar with this particular character? Yes, I am familiar with The Princess Bride. I loved this movie when I was a kid, and I found a new love for it when I was an adult because there's so many lines, so many quotable things out of the movie, so, so, so much, and so much that I missed when I was a kid that just was gold. And I hate that I missed it when I was a kid, but I couldn't have appreciated it like I did when I'm an adult. So, yes, I think the... Uh, characters from this are some of the best characters written for a movie because it's like every character is a damn good character in this movie. Every character. Absolutely. And for them to, for the, the, for the person that wrote this book. So before I get into who wrote the book and stuff like that, the backstory to the character, I will say that this is one of the first movies where I've ever sat back as an adult and asked the question, who is actually the hero of the movie? Right? Is it honestly, is is it honestly the Black Swordsman? I'm not Black Swordsman. Uh, the Dread Scott, the Dread Pirate Scott. Ah, lose my mind today. Dread Pirate Scott. Is what that his name? Dread Pirate Roberts. Roberts. Yeah. God, yes. why did I say Scott? Well, I mean, so much going on in my life. For I mean, I guess for you, you'd be the Dread Pirate Steve. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's just, let's just be honest here and do a full confessional. I am two, three, three, three drinks down right now. Doing a podcast, looking at a screen in a dark room with no lights on just because it hurts my eyes right now. I have so, a 7% blueberry beer, or should we say brewberry? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah it's, uh, so I'm about halfway through it, and uh, the, the 7% hits a little bit heavier <laughs> than, than it used to. I'm uh, not quite the drinker I used to be, but you know. Well, that's just what happens when you get older. Yeah. 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 Brewberry. Brewberry. Oh, and I believe my, my, my spouse has brought me another one because she is great. Hello, spouse. I have another one. Exactly this right. is going to be a great podcast, ladies and gentlemen. 
All right. Yes, I appreciate it. Well, let's so, not disappoint the people with our uh, intoxication and uh, the dread pirate Scott, as you said. Yes, Roberts. My bad. It is Roberts. And I was kind of hoping, you know, there, when I was doing the research for this, I was like, you know what? I've watched this movie so much. And it was like really a huge part of my life as a kid. Like when it would come out on reruns on TNT. I remember specifically on TNT. Uh, I forget what it was, the Turner Network Television or something like that. I forget what it was. Yeah. But, I know TNT. I don't know what it stands for. Yeah, so we would uh, we'd watch that every time we come out. It would be a movie that me and my older brother would stop beating each other up over to sit on the couch and watch. So it was really an awesome movie. Inigo Montoya is a fictional character created by William Goldman in his 1973 novel, The Princess Bride, which was later adapted into a movie in 1987. The movie, like I said, the movie had Carrie Ewell's, God, I can't say his name. He's, a, he's a, it's like one of the names I cannot say. Elvis? And, huh? Elvis? Elvis? Is that how you say I it? I think so. That's how I've heard it pronounced. And I'm just going to butcher names. Elvis? So, El Elvis. his most prominent movie that a lot of our listeners would probably know him from would be one of the Saw movies. Actually, it it's funny. One. It's funny because I, I had seen the Saw movie and completely forgot that he was in Saw, you know, that, that first Saw, and I saw Saw. You I, saw Saw. I saw Saw, and I knew him from this movie for my entire life, you know, because this movie came out in 87, not long after I was, uh, why, why, before... Not long before I breathe there, you know. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I knew him from this. And if I'm not mistaken, this was his first movie. I don't know if it was his first movie, but I will say that when when you when, when I picture him, I don't picture him in the Saw movie. I no. picture him in Robin Hood Men in Tights. Good old Mel Brooks movie. I forgot he was he. Yeah, he was. He was that. totally in. And he, he it wasn't totally his first movie. movie. It was his uh, seventh but his seventh movie. Yeah. Early in the career, but go on. The, the writer of this book actually gave us a really good backstory into Inigo Montoya's life. He was originally from Spain and resides in a fictional country of Florin. He is a Basque fencer and a henchman to the Sicilian criminal Vazzini. By Zini, I think is how you say it. As the story, as the movie progresses and the book progresses, you are given a brief glimpse into his backstory, which for a backstory for a air quote sidekick is actually a pretty righteous backstory. So he's seeking revenge for the death of his father, Domingo. Now, do you remember what Inigo's favorite line is? Well, I mean, is it his favorite line? Because his, I... his infamous line. Okay. His infamous line, <clears throat> his infamous line. Okay. I know it as the line. It was like he worked his entire life after his father's death and prepared it for the moment. Hello, my name is Ingo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. That's correct. His father was a great swordsman, but he didn't really like to. He was kind of like obscured according to the lore behind the book because he didn't like dealing with people. Now, he did take a commission from a six-fingered man named Count Rugen. I think it was is how you say that. And he needed a sword made to accommodate his, air quote, again, unique grip. Inigo's father labored for, I think, I think it was like, what, years? Year? Years? Multiple years? To make this sword. 
But when Rugen came to pick up his sword, he refused to pay for it. And instead, killed, killed Domingo and then took the sword and gave him, gave uh, his son, Inigo, a scar on each side of his face. To be honest, I, I don't know how many times I've seen this movie and I didn't know the backstory that had to do with his father. Like, I knew his father made swords and he died and the six finger man was to blame so this is one of the few movies that i will say that took 99 percent of its uh of the movie itself from the source material i.e being the book what didn't go into in the book is that how he became such a famous sword fighter is he uh went to go live with his father's friend yeast yes y-e-s-t-e for two years uh vowed to avenge his father and went and got tutelage under the most skilled fencing masters of the time. That is according to the material from the book. Now, in the uh, 30th anniversary release of the book, is more of an unabridged part of the book that that uh, the publishers put out while he was while he was searching for the Count Rugen. He fell in love with a couple girls, and one of them was a countess, and those two learned how to dance. And that's where he got some of his dance, his moves from for sword fighting. You have something you want to say. I see your head shake. Okay, so what I think is funny about what you just said, the unabridged version. Do you know the full title of the original book? And, and I've, I've been actually preparing in preparation, in preparation for this. I don't know. Why I'm having trouble? Oh, I do. It's seven percent in my glass. Um, so, so in preparation for this, I was listening to a bit of stuff about the Princess Bride and whatnot, and uh, and I knew that there was a longer title to the original book than just the Princess Bride. But I learned a bit more about the book, and I know that William Goldman wrote the book and also the screenplay. And so the stuff he didn't bring to the screenplay, he didn't bring for a reason. And he also wrote screenplays already. So he was, you know, he was a, a well-known screenplayist. I don't know. Writer. Screenwriter. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I feel like it should be something different than screenwriter. But anyway. Well, so screenplay, it sounds like he should go to like the his local county sheriff's office and register is what it sounds like he should be doing. Well, we don't know if he's not on a list. We don't we don't know. But I'm going to guess he's not. Anyway, he was he was a well-known uh, uh, screenwriter and then, you know, a novelist. He knew kind of what movies needed from books and whatnot. But do you know the full name of the book? I didn't want to get into it, so I didn't put it on my notes because I'm not going to do a full Princess Bride episode. No, but I think it's I think it's I think it's interesting. You think it's relevant? Then go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. So it's The Princess Bride, colon, S. Morgenstern's classic tale of true love and high adventure comma the good parts version so in the unabridged version of the book <laughs> the book is the good parts and there's a whole thing in the in the uh the whole introduction to the book that is a whole thing about how um william goldman uh decided to write this book because his grandfather came to his house one day similar to to the movie read the story to him the princess bride and so he remembers you know his grandfather had this thick romanian accent or whatever and uh knew this book to be this great crazy fantasy adventure and then years and years later his son wanted you know it was his birthday and he wanted something from his father who he didn't have a great relationship with so he went and bought the princess bride and gave it to him and then his son 
wasn't reading it. He saw him reading it for a bit. And then he, uh, he was like, you know, well, what's going on? And his son was like, this book is boring. So he picked it up and realized that the book wasn't anything that his, his, his grandfather who had a horrible, you know, horribly thick accent and did mm-hmm. not speak English very well. And all of that is bullshit because none of it's true. It was completely made up for this because the whole thing was that he took the good parts of the book and wrote it for this book that has the good parts version in the title. <laughs> so, so like after knowing all that and hearing you say in the unabridged version of the book <laughs> to know that the book is, it you know, starts off with a complete bullshit lie <laughs> and then it's the good parts of this non-existent book. So I thought all of that was hilarious when I... That is, that is hilarious. And it also kind of leads credence to the next thing I'm going to say. And and like I said, in the the 30th edition, it comes out and says that uh, after 10 years of training, Indigo becomes the greatest swordsman of his generation and the only living man to hold the rank of wizard, which is in reality a fictional fencing rank above mass. So he was a fencing wizard, a swordsman wizard. I mean, you're a wizard, if, Inigo. If I was a wizard, I don't know that fencing is the thing that I would want to be the uh the precursor to it. I am a fencing wizard. I mean, <laughs> you know, can I be a decking wizard? Anyway, <laughs> moving on. So, unable to find according to the story both in script and and not in in script in the book unabridged versions and so forth he's unable to find his father's killer and like every good son who's out to avenge his father he slips into alcoholism and depression until the criminal mastermind Vincini played by Wallace Shawn in the movie that has some uh, of the best lines for as short as his screen time inconceivable. is. Yeah. You never get uh, in. Finds him never and hires him into his crew. Never get into a land war with what? a Sicilian? I think that's what it is. Yeah, sorry. I, I um, was... That's okay. <laughs> and then he joins his motley crew with Fezzik. Now, Fezzik is another interesting character who has a smaller backstory, but in the movie is portrayed by the larger-than-life, the one, the only... Can drink like 36 beers and not get drunk. Andre, Andre the Giant. Yep. Now, which is Go which Go I'm gonna bring up one one amazing point about the character of Fezzik. Fezzik in the book is Turkish. Mm-hmm. Andre the Giant, not really Turkish. Do, he was do a we know I believe what Andre the Giant was? I don't believe he was Turkish. No, I don't As I'm someone not, that had lived in Turkey was. before. I don't I mean now Fezzik was French. a very He's French. He's French. Oh. Andre should have figured. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's, that's on both of us. <laughs> now, Fezzik's backstory in the book does not really go into that much detail, nor does it go into that much detail in the uh, movie. But what I have gleaned is that he was a large child from Earth, and his parents made him fight competitively to bring money in. And that is when he met uh, the Zini, and that's when they... That's when they got together to form the trio with Inigo. However, it is noted in the book throughout the how the story progresses in the book that Fesic does not like Vanzini and would rather go back to live in the circus. Whence he came. He, so he he fought in the circus for money. Yes, apparently there's fighting. There's carny folk fighting. I did not know this. I have been to many circuses in my life. 
before they got banned by PETA for being cruel and inhumane. I went and to the I last had... Ringling Brothers stop in town, and there was no more Ringling Brothers after that. And then The Greatest yeah. Showman came out years later and about uh, P.T. Barnum, and I was like, hey, this is, a, this is now a historical movie by all means because <laughs> there is no Barnum of any kind. That and there is. And, you know, side note, I think kids nowadays are really missing out on, on circuses. I think circuses, not Cirque du Soleil's, but real circuses with the strong man and the bearded lady and the fish boy and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was a great adventure as a kid. Well, all of the... Now you really can't even go to those little those little street carnivals that are totally unsafe, but you don't care. I, I care. You know? I care. I don't, I don't, I don't care. ride any ride that can be put up and take it down in a day. Um, I, I don't trust any of those. But... You know, the so the whole like bearded lady and you know, tall man or whatever, you know, all those things got relegated to a sideshow more than circus because circus became, you know, uh, trapeze artist taming lions, you know, the 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 classic like guy with the whip and the little wooden stool from cartoons, and you know, like that's what circuses became. In fact, the last time, like I said, the last time, uh, uh, Ringling Brothers toured, the last, I don't know quarter of it turned into an X Games BMX skateboarding show. They like rolled out, you know, ramps and they were, you know, riding BMX bikes and stuff and had lights and fluorescent things on themselves and you know it that it was, was a Cirque du Soleil show. No, no, it was that that was kind of how they rebranded themselves towards the end of their run, which was um Ringling Brothers Extreme, you know. Mm. And, you know, and it just kind of it got boring at that point, and it was just okay. Well, this is what it is. This is the last time we're going to see it. Okay, cool. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Peter. Back on topic. Yeah. Back on top. Vizzini and crew were hired to kidnap Princess Buttercup. Mm -hmm. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is the name of the princess from the movie Princess Bride, played by Robin White. Robin White before she got pinned. Before she got pinned. Yes. Long before this chase scene with with the man in black as he is called in the in the movie is iconic in the sense that there is so much banter so much banter going back and forth between indigo montoya fezzik and vicini vicini is the butt end of everything that is going on and Fezzik kind of hides some, like, hidden intellect and snark in him. As, you know, as they're like, oh my gosh, he's getting closer. And Vincini looks over and he says his famous line, him could see the ball. Yeah. And after saying it, what, three times? Fezzik um, looks at him and goes, I don't think that word means what you think that word means. Yeah. I can't remember how many times he says it, but I do remember that, you know, as a kid, I remember hearing that, you know, that I don't think that means what you think it means and being like, yeah. okay, whatever. But then as an adult, I'm like, that, that, that shit's, that shit's funny. That lands. <laughs> yeah. But, that so works. when the man in black catches up with uh, Fezzik, uh, Fezzik tries to crush his head with a rock. He's throwing essentially boulders, not, not really rocks, Boulder at the man in black. The fight scene is not what you would expect. Do you remember how that how that fight scene played out? Um, I don't. I don't. I feel like I should. I've seen the movie enough, but I don't remember. So don't remember that fight scene. The uh, the fight scene I really remember is the uh, 
the sword fight on the cliffs of despair is it or confusion? yes yeah yeah which sounds like a metal band name album name <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the fight with fezic the man in black acknowledges fezic's strength and everything like that and then eventually fights him hand to hand and puts him in a chokehold like a rear naked choke it causes him to pass out now the entire segment the entire fight is like five minutes long but it's kind of funny because it's the little man versus the big man fight where you know he like bounces off of him tries to hit him he just gets thrown around at first and finally the little dude prevails he moves on to then face inigo on top of as you said the cliffs of despair and they go through this what was it, like a 10 minute long fight scene yeah, and uh, so actually that fight scene originally was only about a like two, three minute long fight scene. And then when it was like a second unit director did it. And then when it got brought back to Rob Reiner, the director, he was like, no, no, we're we're going to make this longer. And that's when he added all the levels and things and then ended up making mm-hmm. it like one of the longest sword fight scenes ever. <laughs> yeah, but it was a really good sword fight oh, scene because yeah. it really wasn't one-sided and it's like they're they're talking about different fencing styles and what counters the best and then this one and then and it goes like well i have a confession to make i'm not really right-handed and like switches his sword to the left hand and then and then the man in black says oh well i have a confession to make as well i'm not really right-handed like switches his sword to the left hand or whatever however it went yeah, and then it goes on, and then they do like the parkour style, jumping across rocks and boulders, and jumping over swords, swishing under their feet, and I believe one of them jumps on a on like a, a gymnast bar, and does like flips and stuff, and then lands a perfect landing. Yeah, and the other one claps like, oh yeah, job. yeah. I mean the the scene actually the entire movie is very self aware of what it is <laughs> and. And campy on purpose, and they they acknowledge these moments within it, like the actors and you know characters acknowledge, like, okay, that was a ridiculous thing. Let's stop and applaud, or stop and acknowledge it. You know, <laughs> um, which I mean, a lot of that just comes from the dialogue in it, and some of the most quotable things ever. But yeah, it's a uh, that 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 sword fight scene is long, and so many unnecessary and unrealistic parts in it, and it's so good. It is. And it and it ends with the man in black knocking out Inigo Montoya mm-hmm. instead of killing him because he acknowledges that killing him would be a way. Now, I do have something to add to the end of that, so I'll get there in, in a few. And it's something I didn't know because I didn't read the book before I saw the movie. So I didn't know this. Have you read I'll, the book? I'll tell it. Yes. Okay. I love books. Oh, I, I read books you, all the time. I know you love books. I, <laughs> Liz I, hates me when I read books. I like books. I don't read them all the time. And part of that's because uh, my ADD takes over and I will read like four pages and not remember a word that I read. <laughs> and then I have to go back and reread it. It gets frustrating. It gets frustrating. It's, it's why I like books with pictures or comic books, as they call them. So after he incapacitates the swordsman, he goes and he has his showdown with the Italian, the Sicilian, I'm sorry, the Sicilian. Yes. Fazzini. And now what is his, what is his claim to fame in the movie? Do you remember what his claim to fame is in the movie? Oh. It's how what? I'm going to have to go back and watch this. I mean, I, let's... how smart he is. It's how smart he is. Okay. You can't beat him at any game. Yeah. So what game did 
did did the the Dread Pirate Roberts play with him? Uh, poison. Yes, poison. He put poison supposedly in a glass, and they had the battle of wits where they had to decide which cup had poison in it, and it went. On and on and on. And I would, I had it written down, but I deleted it out, like, the scene, like, written out, because I found it. But I was like, yeah, I honestly am not going to go through that on the podcast. But needless to say, the end result is Bassini died. And then Mid-laugh. when Princess Butter, Mid-laugh. yeah, he laughed like, and died. <laughs> it just, fell over. Just full laughter, stop, still smiling, kill over. Like, yes. It's so total 1980s campy BS. Oh yeah. And I mean, it's it, leading up to it, how he's switching the cups back and forth, but not really switching them. And yes. then him trying to outsmart him. Yeah. It's just, it's such an over the top ridiculous thing already that why not have him go out in such an over the top ridiculous way? You know, Prin- it worked. Princess Buttercup after the end of the, at the end of the battle of wits, like, oh my god, how did you do that? And the pirate said, I poisoned both glasses that he found as being a pirate, yada, 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 building up tolerances, small amounts a day, yada, 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 makes you immune to poison. Uh, fun fact, <laughs> that doesn't work. Yeah, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it still kills you. It just takes a little longer. Thanks. Thanks for ruining it. <laughs> You're welcome, whatever my name is. You ruined, so- you ruined, you ruined the movie magic. I ruined the movie magic. Now there is one more set of people I would really like to and talk about I know before we name. just get into an open discussion. All right, about this movie. I mean, like a true open discussion. Okay, because we're 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 a few in. So, do you remember what the name of the villain was? Um, the six fingered man. No, uh, well, okay, no, the uh, the, the king. Uh, the king. Okay, I, there's there's several people that can be labeled the villain. In the movie, you know, is it the six fingered man? It's kind of like your your thing in the beginning where you said, "Who is the hero? Who is mm-hmm. the villain?" Because there's several people that could be, you know, pitched as the villain. Primarily, the main antagonist is Prince Humperdinck. Humperdinck. Yep, Humperdinck. Now there comes a time when our 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 supposed hero, uh, what was his name? Wesley. Wasn't that his name in the movie? Wesley. Wesley. Yes, Wesley. Wesley. Got to slur that S a little bit. Wesley. Yes, Wesley. Was uh, captured mm-hmm. and taken to a torture chamber where the six-fingered man was actually playing mad scientist and hooked him up to a machine. Do you remember what that machine did? Uh, it uh, sucked the life out of him. Like, put sucked years off of you. Sucked years, yes. yeah. Which, there is something about that that it wasn't until years later when I connected, you know, Rob Reiner as a director of that and... Spinal Tap. What is one of the greatest lines out of Spinal Tap? I don't know. Never this, seen it. This goes to 11. And the whole thing uh, is about their amps go to 11. And so I feel like it would have been a great callback, a great thing to stick in there about, like, the machine only went to 11. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it would have just been a great little great little nod, but they didn't do it. Yeah. So our our, our supposed hero is saved from the torture chamber, from the machine. He's nearly dead. He's not dead. No. He's nearly dead. He's nearly dead, as we learned from Billy Crystal. Yes, that is the person I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about Billy Crystal's character. They took him to, what was his name? Do you remember what his name was? Miracle Max. Miracle Max, the king's former miracle man. What was his wife's name? Oh, you're going to get me lying. 
I don't know. Valerie. Who was it? Valerie. That, so, yes, Billy Crystal did play Miracle Mac, and I don't remember... I don't remember who played his wife. Um, his wife. Carol Kane. Was it Carol Kane? It's Carol Kane. Very iconic scene where they're, where they're fighting, and Miracle Max cannot stand the name of Prince Humperdinck. Now, he's told he, he can make a cure, which, by the way, the cure looks kind of like a prune, if I'm, if I'm being honest with you. He can make a cure, but only if the cause was worthy. So he takes a bellow from a fireplace... Pumps it in Wesley's mouth and does like CPR with it. Yep. And it's like, he pushes it. Why do you want to survive? He like pushes on it. And it's like, yep. or what, however he said it. And then the wife comes out and is like, you heard him saying true love. That's not what he said. He said, he like started inserting all these ridiculous things that supposedly Wesley said. But it was, she started running around the house yelling, Humperdink, Humperdink, Humperdink at him. And then finally he didn't make the cure. Right. It was probably seven minutes of straight belly laughter. So Rob Reiner. So Rob Reiner had to leave that scene because he was nauseous from laughing so hard. Um, The actors kept breaking because of Billy Crystal and Carol Kane. And as I understand it, Billy Crystal wasn't really given a script for that. He was, it was pretty much a, this is where we start. This is where we're going to end. And this is the things that we need you to do in the scene. Do it. <laughs> and it was like, once he saw himself in makeup, he was like, okay, I got it. And ran with it. And it was to everybody on set. It was like one of the best moments of their lives that they got to sit and just watch Billy Crystal and Carol Kane do their thing. Cause Carol Kane before this was on taxi, which she was, fantastic on if you haven't seen her on it she was fantastic on it but she absolutely yeah. was yeah but this the billy crystal and this was perfect and this was not his that uh, billy crystal came off a lot he was coming off of the comedy running scared and in, in, i think 86 and he had another movie that came out in 87 so i think he did back-to-back filmings for his small role in princess bride and then he had also in the same year what was it called uh oh my gosh throw mom throw, throw, mom throw mom from, from a train yeah throw mama from a train that's right which was good it was good was it great? and that kind of that that set him up for one of billy crystal's more iconic roles uh henry uh harry met sally Right when Harry met Sally, mm-hmm. which had uh, his co-star uh, Meg, Ryan. Meg, yes, Meg Ryan in it. Thank you, thank you for that one. And then that also set him up for City Slick. I think was his next Billy Crystal. I, I, I used to be a big Billy Crystal fan. I that's love Billy Crystal. Um, he kind of petered out after City Slickers too, but that's just my that's my personal opinion on his on his acting career. Um, well, Throw Mama from a Train came out right after Princess Bride. Came out the mm-hmm. same year. And uh back to back recordings. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And so he he kind of did a bit of a run with Rob Reiner. You know, he that that was kind of one of his go-to things. And it, it it worked for him. Well, the last thing I'm going to talk about is the Dread Pirate Roberts. How did the legend of the Dread Pirate Roberts happen? Do you remember? Do you remember how that went? The legend? The legend. Um, I remember it being a thing that was passed down from people. Yes. Okay. 
Yes. Ulterior motive for saving Inigo Montoya was that he passed the title of the Dread Pirate Roberts to Inigo Montoya. Now, if you remember in the movie and also in the book, Inigo Montoya is badly injured towards the end of the movie when he gets his revenge on the Six-Fingered Man, and the Six-Fingered Man tells him, I will give you anything. And do you remember what his what what his saying was what his line was after that which by the way wasn't his actual line um, that was totally ad-libbed in the moment heat of the moment ad-libbed line i don't i will give you anything you want and indigo montoya replies i want my father back you son of a bitch and then kills him mm-hmm. there goes fireworks confetti everyone's cheering because indigo montoya who everyone has fallen in love with after being stabbed repeatedly and standing back up has got his revenge at the end of the book, and it doesn't show this in the movie. But at the end of the book, at the let's see, say, like, say, I have at the end of the film, having avenged his father and no longer revenge business, and then go ponders what to do with the rest of his life. Right in response, Wesley at the end of the movie gives the position of successor of the Dread Pirates, Roberts, to Inigo Montoya. Wesley rides off into the sunset with Princess Buttercup. And roll credits done. However, in the book. It, it it goes on to say that he is running from the Brute Squad, which I don't remember what the Brute Squad was off the top of my head, but he was running from the Brute Squad, and his wounds reopened. That's how the book ends. So it leaves like a cliffhanger. Will there be a part two? Will there be another installment of The Princess Bride where Inigo Montoya plays no, the Dread Pirate? There won't. There, there was not, but that's just the way the book yeah. ended. Which actually, the movie did not end the way that you said, because the movie, you know, Wesley and Buttercup share that. Oh, you about said buttercream. Uh, Buttershup is what was coming out. I don't know. Anyway, so <laughs> uh, Wesley and Buttercup share a passionate kiss, um, which actually, um, let me back up a little bit. Watching it as an adult, there were certain things that I questioned, but it's one of those things that you just accept and move on. Ingo Montoya kills the six-fingered man and then reunites with Wesley and Buttercup in the hallway, and then they look out the window, and then somehow Fezzik has found four white horses. Yes. <laughs> four pristine white horses. I wasn't, I wasn't going to go into it because this isn't the Princess Bride episode. Okay, but we're talking about the friends of, and I'm talking about Fezzik. I'm not talking about the <laughs> Princess Bride. But anyway, and then he happens to pick the, the 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 right window that they're at. <laughs> and nobody questions the fact that he found four white horses and was at the right window, the 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 correct window in which all these people are. Nobody nobody questions the fact that he disappeared for the final 15 minutes of the movie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like the strongest just man. Gone. The strongest man of their entire crew just is gone. But do you know why he's gone? Because he's looking for some horses. <laughs> yeah, he, he he was wandering around the, the castle like I need a horse. I need four of them. They must be white. And he was also I have trying, a list. He was also trying to find somebody that could use that wheelbarrow that he forgot to list in his in their list of um oh uh, what what was it? Their uh, I forget their, their supplies. Yeah, list supplies. of supplies. Yeah. 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 So anyway, the movie actually ends with back to the bedroom with Fred Savage, which um you know, with his grandfather. But yes, but I'm saying, but as as it pertains to the story and so forth and right. so on of it before it goes back to Fred Savage getting a book read by his grandpa. Yeah. And it's a happily ever after movie. But in the book, it wasn't a happily ever after movie. It's what's going to happen next. While 
the book and the movie were really great. I want to know your thoughts on the crazy shenanigans. And can you think of, most importantly, I want you to answer, can you think of another movie slash literary work that has the same style for a, that you can interchange the main character for a sidekick and a sidekick for a main character? I mean, I can think of one movie off the rip. Okay, what what movie is that? Because I can't think of a movie where the protagonist is not defined. And you're you're on well, to something. I mean, the the protagonist isn't defined in this because you know in the beginning we have you know uh, Wesley and and Wesley and uh, Princess Buttercup, and there really isn't much dialogue. I mean, Wesley's entire dialogue as is as you wish. And the it's the love is told through looks, and then he disappears for like a good chunk of the movie, and then we get all this other backstory, and so it kind of takes who you thought was the protagonist out for a while, and yeah, and then you get uh, Mandy Patinkin and Andre the Giant, and yeah, you know, so then you're thinking, okay, well maybe these are the guys, you know, and then they kind of all have a story together for quite a while. And it's like they all have their own their own reason for being there. And, you know, but then, you know, there for a little bit, you know, uh, Inga Montoya and uh, Fezzik disappear as they go through the uh, the forest the with the flames. I can't remember what it's called. You know, I forget what the forest is called. Yeah, I know that it was like the um, unusually sized uh, rodents, USRs, yes. I think, um, which I believe Fallout 4 used. Yes, it yeah. did. So, um, yeah. Uh, so I can't think of another movie where the the uh, protagonists are questionable at best. What's yours? So I think it's a 2011's Green Hornet with uh, Seth Rogen. Okay, support yourself there. Okay, so it is. It it starts off with Seth Rogen as like a billionaire playboy, kind of like Bruce Wayne. His parents are dead. He inherits the money. And then instead of getting a aging butler, he befriends a automotive genius. And that automotive genius is like the, he does all heavy lifting in the movie. Yeah. He really does. He is like the sidekick with the great backstory being he was, he he's, he's a martial arts prodigy. He's an engineering prodigy. He's a mechanical prodigy. You know, somebody else gave him the means to do something and he did it. He's a jack of all Where, trades and a master of every one of them. Absolutely. Yeah. In the movie itself, he like takes the tops off some beer cans and they like fly like ninja stars into the trash can. No, whatever. I mean, he had a great role in that movie and can be kind of be seen as as the uh as, as the protagonist of the movie because everything he tries to do that's good in the first parts of the movie, Seth Rogan's character like dicks up badly so I, I i will admit i never never saw the movie the trailer was enough to make me go nah i don't i don't need to see that uh the original i believe his name was kano yes was jackie chan and you know i i know they gave him a few more abilities in the movie than they did in the tv show and I like the TV show enough. It wasn't great. It was not well written, but it was also a 70s TV show and not many were, <laughs> you know. So my opinion of the movie with Seth Rogen, The Green Hornet, eh, I don't really have a lot of a 
you know, a high opinion of it. I do know that what he wrote it, you know, he did have a hand in that. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like it probably had that Seth Rogen sense of humor to it, which is fine. I mean, you know, it works at times, it doesn't in others. Of course, Seth Rogen has written other things that absolutely don't have his brand of humor to it that are fantastic, like the show Preacher. That was fantastic show. Um, Future Man, great show. Not funny shows. But um, anyway, I really can't think of another movie. That, Spaceballs. What about Spaceballs? It's a movie where you, it switches between who's the protagonist and who's the antagonist. Well, I mean, if and if that's what you're going to pick out, then you could actually uh, go with the at least first you know, four, five, and six, episode four, five, and six of Star Wars, because... Absolutely. I was surprised you didn't hit on that, because you're a Star Wars nerd. No, I'm not a Star Wars nerd. Just four, five, and six I really liked. Um, The rest of them were dog turds. Um, We're going to say hot garbage. We're not going to say dog turds. We're going to say hot garbage. Okay, it's it's hot garbage that's been um, uh, left out in the sun for a while, so it's got enough uh, bacteria and festering in it. Those movies are just terrible. I, I did not like them. Anyway... So yes, um, so four, five, and six were were good. You know, um, the rest of them were hot garbage. I hated them. I have uh, no room for them in my life. I don't think they should have ever been made. But you know, I, you know, that those are kind words for them. Um, I don't know if you can tell, but I don't like those movies. But yeah, so those movies, sure. And I guess you could also go Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Um, That's another good one. Yeah, um, The Hobbit. Okay, but who's the, the true protagonist of the Hobbit? I don't know. Uh, Peter Jackson. <laughs> um, no, he's the antagonist. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, a rich antagonist. He is a rich antagonist. Um, yeah, outside of Meet the Feebles, uh, Brain Dead, and the Frighteners, and then Lord of the Rings, he's just been the antagonist of the rest of his own career. Did you know that Peter Jackson? Netted, netted, not grossed, netted $1.5 billion from all of his Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah, that's stupid. Does that not make your heart hurt? A little bit. A little bit. I mean, yeah. yeah. You know, it. I guess it would make my heart hurt more if I, you know, if I didn't know that, you know, what he did with Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit didn't bring so much to, you know, awareness to how great New Zealand is and how beautiful it is, you know, and then bring money and tourism and whatnot there and sure. Okay. Whatever. But I, (laughs) you know, Peter Jackson needs to just stop. Just, just but he's not producing anymore. Well, he is producing movies. He is directing more movies. However, comma, his, his primary income is he only got $20 million per film. I know I say only got $20 million per Lord of the Rings film that he directed. And that, again, makes my stomach bubble. I, but the majority of his money... I don't, I don't like the way money, you said that. He only got $20 million? No, I don't. I don't like that. The majority of his money comes from royalties. He gets 20%, 20% off the back end of anything Lord of the Rings related. So Amazon is coming out with their new show, the, uh, Rings of Power. the new Lord of the Rings show, Rings of Power, right? And because that is loosely based off some of the lore from Peter Jackson's movies, he gets 20% of whatever those make. I want to know how much money the Tolkien 
family gets from those because Tolkien wrote amazing stories, amazing, an amazing world and lore to go with it. And, you know, I don't know that his family gets anything. And if Peter Jackson gets more than the Tolkien family, then, you know, so it is, it sucks. They are not going to legally disclose the amount that the Tolkien family has received over the, uh, work since the death of Tolkien. However, they have reported at least hurt tens of billions of dollars. Okay. Tens of billions of dollars. Okay, tens of billions. That's a lot of billions. Um, you know, I would feel worse about it than I do, but because Tolkien wrote the story, wrote the world, wrote all of it, and then it was made into something else by somebody else, you know, because they were, you know, they had somebody that created the seed of this entire empire. Fine. I'm glad they got money from it. Tens of millions makes like, I feel like I need to, uh, to do something more with my life. Well, the, okay, we're off topic. Yeah. Very off topic. (laughs) Maybe, maybe I'll do my, 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 my next podcast show will be about some of these movies, some of these movies and the facts and some of the ridiculous facts about these movies on my last call episode. But anyways, I digress. So anyways, that is Inigo Montoya and his friends. Mm-hmm. And again, I didn't want to get into Princess Bride because I feel the movie in and of itself uh, is worthy of its own episode and of, of its own letter. So and I'm all maybe for... that'll come down the pipe. I'm all for doing a Princess Bride episode. I really am. I I think it's great. We will talk about some of the same stuff on that episode. I think it's just of course. Um, it would be inconceivable not to. Um, so you know, actually done. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, so you know, it's just such an awesome, rich world. And maybe I will read the book or at least listen to the audio book of it before we get around to it. But I don't know. Maybe I won't because the movie is such an amazing thing within itself. And the author of the book was also the screenwriter of the movie. So it's like he had a hand in both of them. And it's, you know, I see whenever that happens, uh, you know, the author has a chance to go, Oh, well, these are some things I would do different. Or in this case, he goes, I know it would work better for a screen than in a movie. Well, ladies and gentlemen, at the end of every episode, we have decided we are going to end with something different this season. And if you've been paying attention to the last bunch of episodes, we are going to tell some rather lame, lame dad jokes. I mean, so I am going to give Danger four dad jokes he can tell. We are four on, dad jokes this episode. We are on I. If you haven't figured out what the hell we're doing by I and you've been listening this long, sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. You said you talked about Batman earlier and Alfred mm-hmm. and whatnot. So. I'll give you two uh two Batman jokes first. All right. What do you call Batman when he skips church? What? Christian Bale. <laughs> what what is Batman's name when he is injured? I don't know. Bruised Wayne. Bruised Wayne, nicely done. All right. 
You uh, you know what a sawhorse is, right? What's a sawhorse? Past tense of a seahorse. Ah. Uh, uh-huh. All right, my last one. How did the hamburger introduce his girlfriend? I don't know. Meet Patty. Meet Patty. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Danger. What is black and white and goes round and around? Uh, I'm not sure. A penguin stuck in a revolving door. All right. Okay. Uh, let's see. I thought about going on an all almond diet, but that's just nuts. Mm. 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 Yes. Why doesn't why don't skeletons ever go trick or treating? Not sure why. Because he has no body to go with. Okay, last one. Yeah. Last one. I used to work in a shoe recycling shop. It was soul destroying. That was a shoe joke. Mm. Mm. <laughs> in the world of dad jokes, that's a shoe in. Absolutely. What yeah. is the best time to go to the dentist when it's 2 30? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, also a dentist's favorite time. So, <laughs> all right. I uh, I have more dad jokes in my uh, my database, as a uh, as Lauren likes to call it, my my dad base. Yeah, which, we got it. Yeah. We got it. Everyone, everyone to, out there in listening to, lane got to, it. To which, to which uh, the twelve year old boy said, "If you have a database, do you have a mama base?" <laughs> said no wow no 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 i don't even after i explain to him why he still he still says it because he thinks it's funny anyway <laughs> with that ladies and gentlemen we are we are we, we are actually out of out of time and out of material for this topic so tune in next week when we post about the letter j which i believe comes after the letter i in the alphabet usually um Usually, usually, but you know, when you have 7% uh, IPA in your system and like four mixed drinks in, I don't like anything IPAs. is possible. I don't like IPAs. Mm. It's a brewberry. Yes, because that's, that, that's a natural thing you would find in the domestic bear section. In the domestic bear section? Beer. Beer. Domestic beer section. You said bear. Yeah, yeah. I probably did. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you take care of yourselves. As you wish. It's over. Done. Done.